This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, we are in for a real treat. I am going to have a guest who, she's amazing. She was born here in America, believe Syracuse, New York. She then went to go be raised in Ghana, so you know we have to talk Africa. Oh, it's going to be just a great conversation. And then she came back to America, served in the Air Force, but wait, her first job was at McDonald's when she came back served in the Air Force, and do you know, this is like what you guys would call a real unicorn. She is in the VR. She owns the company. She creates VR. She's an engineer. She plays the creative side and the technical side, though, and that's the part that really makes her a unicorn. I have Mary Spio of Seek. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. You should come with me wherever I go and do that introduction. (laughs) I will. You just don't know. Uh, My wife is right here. She'll say, yes, um, that's the type of clients to go for. I'm a consultant in my my day. So she's like, yes, go, go. And, you know, she's from Africa, too. So she's like, oh, where? Cameroon. Okay, okay. But that, we're going to get into the Africa talk because I, I, we're going to go there. But mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, you've worked with the Lucas Films, the Boeings, um, from those humble ge- beginnings of McDonald's. How, I mean, where was your mindset to be where you were at now? Did you always have the plan and the path or was it just one thing led to another, which I really don't believe in? Yeah, no, I think one thing led to another because I didn't really have the, you know, the plan or the path, right? For me, especially growing up, uh, growing up in Ghana, my dream was to, you know, go to America. I was right, was to come to America, and I didn't know what I was going to do after that. Um, and so it was sort of going on this path. I knew, I always knew that there was something greater. Um, and you know, I I didn't allow myself to be limited, but I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Right. For me getting a job at McDonald's, it was like, wow, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I see in movies and now I'm doing it. And then it was the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I wish I could say I had the plan, but I didn't. Well, you know, cause some people think, you know, these things just happen, but you definitely, took the steps, got the training from the Air Force, Mm -hmm. got your, you know, education, you know, at the universities and, you know, always wanting to come to back to America, I guess, Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you were an American, but you are also, you know, Ghanaian. How, like, did you not think you'd make it back? Because you had kind of a, um, you know, being born here, you could run for president. Uh, because, you know, like when we went, when we were living in Ghana, the one thing is I didn't know how we, my parents were going to be able to afford for me to get a ticket to come back to America. And then too, because the cost of living there, you know, it's vastly different. So, you know, when I came back to the U.S., which was, you know, you know, quite some time back, I mean, it was very expensive to get a ticket, you know, to come back. 
Um, and then also I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, because um, I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know any of that. So to me, it was like, you know, it was a very tall mountain that I wanted to climb. Okay. Okay. And, and you climbed it. And just so the background, because I really like to be able to give, you know, um, the full picture, because some mm -hmm. folks, when you talk about McDonald's and seeing that on TV, they're like, well, maybe in Ghana, she was living like coming to America and things were like Wakanda. And she was, you know, just very privileged. But what was your, you know, uh, class status in Ghana? Was it that you were around the, you know, ambassadors and, you know, the presidents or was it, a, what type of living situation was it? You know, I wish I was living like coming to America, you know, and in Wakanda and all that, but it wasn't, you know, but my dad, you know, my dad um, was an attorney um, and my mom is, you know, is an entrepreneur. So she had her own business. Um, her parents, you know, also had their own business. Um, so, you know, I was not living, you know, like what you see in a UNICEF commercial, but at the same time, I was not, you know, at a palatial estate. I was in a very happy home, right? My mom, my dad, um, I didn't think that, you know, in, rel in relationship to the rest of the world, um, you know, we didn't have much. But in terms of in our own context, you know, we, we had everything that we needed, you know, so we didn't have luxury such as, you know, buying an airplane ticket, which then was like, I think it was like $1,300. So it was, you know, pretty expensive. But um, I, I lived a very, you know, happy uh, childhood in a home that was filled with love and laughter and, you know, all of that, um, but in our own context. Awesome. Awesome. And you guys are going to have to be patient. I'm going to usually, Mary, if you say Africa on this show, ding, ding, the balloons come down. But you guys are going to have to be patient because we, we have to get into this VR world with C. And the fact that are you the only black female that you know that is an owner in a VR company like this? Are there others? Um, you know, I've heard one other person talk about, you know, uh, creating content for VR and I'm hearing more and more people talk about creating content for VR and I'm training more people to be able to, uh, create content for VR. But in terms of, you know, what I'm doing, I don't know anybody else that's doing the same black, white, female, male, or other. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. And tell the people why Seek is unique, because some folks will say, oh, I can go get a headset from, you know, China and put my name on it. No, no, no. That's not what she's doing. But I want you to hear it from her words. So anything that, you know, we're, I don't even think about the end user. I'm thinking about those who are tech savvy. Break it down for, for those. Why is Seek unique? Um, so basically, you know, Seek is a streaming platform for virtual events and experiences. Our uh, mission really is helping um, content creators, particularly music artists, uh, sports personalities, and then also, uh, you know, entertainers to be able to generate revenue from their artistry, particularly within virtual environments. And so we have a platform that delivers their worlds or the experiences that we create with them into virtual reality, onto virtual reality platforms. Our platform, so we deliver onto Facebook Oculus, HTC, and 
you know, Sony PS station and uh, gaming consoles and all of that. So the platform itself, you know, the technology of the platform itself, that's one. When I started, there were not a lot of uh, mobile VR headsets that existed. Um, and so I looked at, you know, Oculus. I looked at some of the stuff that uh, was around that was uh, desktop based. And I wanted to create something that would be a comfortable for both men and women, because a lot of the previous headsets had only been tested on men. Right. And so for women, our eye distance, the interpupillary distance is different from men. And so a lot of the stuff that was in the marketplace uh, was very, very difficult because you couldn't adjust it. The focal distance also for men and women are different. But anyway, so it's not just a headset. I mean, my background is in electrical engineering. I spent a whole year along with other engineers uh, to be able to come up with this technology that allows you to see the content uh, that's not fuzzy, that doesn't make you sick and all of that. So, you know, um, it's not just a matter of, oh, okay, I'm going to go to China and I'm going to find something. That's why there are a lot of VR headsets in the marketplace, but there's only one seek. You know, people are buying this and also even the headphones. There are a lot of headphones in the marketplace, but I created a 360 VR um, headphone because, again, for the first time in history, we had where we have 360 content, but all the devices that existed had 2D audio. So think about it. You're watching a 3D movie, but you're using uh, no glasses or you're using your regular glasses. It's simply not the same. Uh, It just happens that the uh, 360 headphone is also that I created. It's all patent awarded, both the technology as well as the designer, both patent awarded. To get a technology patent is very, very difficult. So you have to have something that's novel. You have to have something that's proven, something that's workable and completely different from anything in the marketplace. So it just happens that it's great for music um, and it's also great for sports. We have a lot of elite athletes. Actually, um, four of our investors are top athletes and that's because they use the product. You know, so anybody can go and, you know, try any kind of buffoonery. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's really going to, you know, pan out to be the best. You don't get the elite athletes, you know, by mistake. You don't get investments from Facebook Oculus by mistake and all the partners that we have. uh, It's not, you know, a mistake. It's because of very, um, it's, it's, it's very intentional. It's also meticulous technical execution that we make, we just make it look easy. Now, are those headphones um, wireless? Yeah, they are. They're wireless. Yep. The wireless headphones. Okay, so Beats has some competition now because we got somebody else that we can, you know, buy from that looks like us and support with the technology. Not that we're just supporting, but that with technology that no other person has at this time. No other, that technology that no other person has at this time. And then it was also the first, right? It was the world's first, um, which is why we were able to get the patents for it. Um, I've, I've seen some copycats in the marketplace, but, they, but the, uh, the sound is not the same, you know? And it's one of those things where I'm just like, just put it on, try it. Try it on, hear it. You know, hear the difference for yourself. Now, you know, people will hear you talk in VR and say, wow, this sounds expensive. She looks too young to be able to have put this together so quickly with, you know, cause they might've just heard about VR yesterday, right? It just depends on where you're at. But 
you know, to start this company, you've had other successes, but to do this, did you go after venture capital, angels, or was it all self-funded? Um, when I started, you know, um, and a, a bit of my, my background, I mean, I started out as a deep space engineer, you know, I had different technologies that I sold to the Boeing company, um, actually for digital cinema distribution, all that you kind of touched on a bit of that. So I had that money, which I started with, but I ran out of that very quickly. And then I had to, um, I, you know, started to look at uh, capital. It's, it's a, it was a very, very rough field, you know, at the time, a lot of, um, you know, quite frankly, was very racist, very sexist. Um, and so I had to kind of put together as much that I could from friends, from family. Um, and then as the vision became more clear, I was able to attract some institutions. Um, and but it's been a very long journey, right? It's, um, you know, I've been able, able to raise a lot of capital, um, and, you know, continue to need capital because to do what we're doing at this level, it's very, very costly, but it's, it's not an easy journey. It's, you know, but I've been very dedicated to it relentlessly, you know, believing in what I'm doing and finding people, allies, and anybody that would listen uh, to make sure that they could try the technology, they could see it. And, and that's how I've, you know, been able to build to date. Now, let, I just relocated my family and I to where we're at here in South Florida, but we were in Seattle, which Seattle is a place I tell folks, there's a reason why Amazon and Microsoft go there because so much you could learn. There's so much uh, vulture capital, I mean, venture capital and angel investors out there. And, you know, when we went that route to just kind of see what was out there, once you're in that circle, it was quite easy. I actually told people no, and my wife was upset. Like, why could you say no? And it was for her business. And I'm like, no, nah, it's not the right time, given where she was at, um, even though they were offering everything that, you know, she had asked for. But it wasn't the right time. Um, she was in residency at the time. So she couldn't dedicate that many hours. You do 100 hours a week. Um, but what is the, you know, what was the... Um, the path to getting the venture capital? Was it just going to something that startup week? Was it just talking to friends that you already had? And then did you have to give up, you know, a, a majority portion of your company? Because a lot of folks, they hear venture capital, they talk to them, and then they come back to me and they say, I don't even own, you know, 20% of my business anymore. They took it over and gave me a check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you see that a lot. You know, my experience, my first experience was really bad, right? So my first, um, you know, venture capital experience was with a an investor that felt like, look, I want to put a white face, you know, white male in front of this company, yada, yada, yada. You know, I ended up getting kicked out of my own company. Um, and so the next time around, I made sure that I, I would look for those uh, red flags, Right. So I was in, you know, South Florida myself too. Uh, met some, you know, different investors that I felt were not a good fit for what I was doing. Um, and um, and then also right around that time, I was starting to see a lot more funds that were focusing on minorities. I approached some of those funds. Um, but I also approached a lot of uh, corporations, you know, I, like I mentioned, Oculus Facebook was the first investment in Seek. 
Um, and then we, once we were able to secure that, then we were also able to attract some New York institutional investors, you know, that were traditional investors that didn't even invest in technology or startups for that matter. But they loved the model. They loved what I was doing. They loved the team. They loved everything about uh, Seek. So once I was able to attract those, then I was also able to attract some of the Black funds. So uh, Black Angel Tech Investment Fund was one of them, Black Star Fund. Um, and, you know, and then I was able to attract a, a, a wider variety. But I had to be very, very selective in terms of, um, you know, who I wanted to bring in. But there were also a lot of Silicon Valley uh, funds that I wanted to, you know, be able to uh, bring in, right? Because it's all about the network effect. Um, some of those I was not able to attract. Um, and, you know, some of them also have different formulas. And they've said to me, look, this is, you know, really great, but it doesn't fit the formula of, you know, what we're going for, which typically when, you know, they say that, you know, they know what, if they take to the market, it's much easier for them to take something to the market that they say, oh, well, this is the next Zuckerberg, or this is the next, you know, Snapchat. Um, and, and they haven't seen a black founder that's done, you know, Zuckerberg, they haven't seen a black founder that's done, you know, Snapchat and this one and that one. And so, they're like, well, we're not, you know, in the business of trying to uh, create that precedent, you know, but there's a lot of money out there now. So many more people want to help. Okay, man. And so you're, you're in the circle now and you have, you know, so many interests in, and you and I, when I was researching, have so much in common. You two um, write children's books for, for mm-hmm. kids that you want to make a difference um, mm-hmm. Has your book, your children's book, she has books on Amazon, people, you can go check out. But I did not catch yet the children's book on Amazon. Is it available? It's not available yet. So the children's book, which is interesting because I've had quite a few schools, the children's book is about a little girl, you know, Iqua, who goes to space. Um, and I wanted to use, you know, um, that's actually my middle name also. Iqua is my middle name, which is an African name. Um, and it's also a young, you know, African-American girl who discovers, um, you know, about space and rockets and all of that and, you know, goes to space ultimately. But I wanted to create something that uh, kind of shared my story, but also created inspiration for other young girls out there that want to be able to see themselves, you know. Um, and it's so important, you know, now as a mom, um, I, honestly, I didn't realize how important it was for children to be able to see themselves and you know these characters until I became a mom and when I hear some of the questions that I get from my own kid and the things that inspire him um, you know it makes me realize that there's such a void in the marketplace and it's so important that we do these things that we write these books okay and and so you have a son and, and just one son currently right yeah one mm-hmm. okay um, I can hear uh, an African mommy say, oh, when does the other one come? Maybe it's your- oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, being a mom and creating that story and letting him see, when do you think that story will be done? Um, uh, you know, my goal is to have it, um, you know, sometime in the middle of next year. And I'm also doing an animation to it at the same time. So it's going to be an animated short 
along with the book and it'll be AR also. So all the stuff that we're animating and the 3D models. So you'd be able to, you know, if you want to look at Mars, right? Because she learns about, she goes to flight school, learns about uh, all the planets in a very fun way. So kids will be able to put their phone over it and see all these different galaxies and whatnot. So I'm building it all together, kind of gamifying it a little bit, but it will be um, by next summer. Um, so by June, July of 2021, it should be out. Okay. And are you um, publishing it yourself? Do you have a deal? Um, how, how's that working? For the children's book, I'm actually uh, self-publishing, you know, but I have other books by Penguin, um, which is, it's not rocket science. That was, you know, that's done by Penguin. So I'm a Penguin author. Um, I might bring this to them as well, but from a lot of the opportunities that I'm looking at, more than likely, I'm just going to self-publish this. Okay. If I can make a suggestion, um, if if I can, if I'm allowed, um, if you self-publish it, do it under your company your publishing company. So if you do do it, bring it to Penguin and they do say yes, say yes. And it's like, um, it's going to be under my- An imprint. Imprint and under Penguin at the same time. And I say that because in the children's book market, um, after you write your third book, you want to go holler at the uh, CBC and talk with them because there's some uh, secret society groups that you can uh, get into and benefit. So- okay. But you yeah. got to write three first. Yeah, to you got my... to write three. You know, there's always something into these groups of why three. Yeah. And then you got to go to another meeting to find out the significance of three. And, you know, they'll start talking to you about sacred geometry. And you'll be like, I just wanted to, po-, you know, understand right. what's going right. on in the book. But, uh, right. yeah, that, that's, that's something. Because people don't understand with the children's book, there's a big market that is a void my wife and I did research how many books aren't for black kids. You know, I say yeah. black. They try to put the kids of color, but then they right. mix that up with everything else and they forget the black ones. So for yeah. the black kids, um, there's such a void. And even in our books, when we first started writing children's books, mm-hmm. we didn't have 1.5% of us. Even if it's the book yep. that has black children, it's somebody else who wrote it about us. from Exactly. Here. So, exactly. So, and, and, and then the other tip I would say is, you know, if you throw it on Amazon, make sure you throw it on Ingram Spark. You might already know that because you're an engineer, uh, but Ingram Spark is the only place where libraries will buy your book. So, oh, okay. I'll make sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, libraries buy a lot of books work globally when they like your book. So, you know, you might only have so many reviews on Amazon, but if the libraries are buying your book, when that royalty comes, you aren't tripping. And, you know, exactly. that's, yeah, that's game for everybody. Now, was your goal to go to space since you wrote this book with a, a young girl with your middle name? Was it to go to space? And do you still want to go to space? Um, you know, I've, oh, you know, I'm a deep space engineer, right? So I've built satellites that are still floating in space. You know, um, I've, you know, worked on different rockets, different, you know, array antennas and all kinds of stuff. Um, I love space. I understand space. Um, You know, I wouldn't rule it out, but um, my role and, you know, my um, experience and expertise is really developing technology for space. But, you know, that I, I, I didn't, you know, necessarily want to be an astronaut, but you know, I wanted to do exactly, you know, what I did, which was be a deep space scientist, build technology for space. 
And today there's so much happening with space tourism, you know, and so I wrote it because I want kids to be aware of all the opportunities that are in space. There's so many commercial companies that are focused on space. There's so many careers coming out of the commercial sector that didn't exist before. Before, if you were not part of NASA, you couldn't really, you know, there wasn't much you could do. Um, but today there's a lot that's happening with, you know, space tourism and what have you. Okay. And how were you in the math and the sciences? Because I think a lot of us get shy away from, you know, the careers in engineering because they're like, oh, I'm not good at math or I'm not good at this. And then you'll talk to the people who are doing it and they'll say, neither am I, but I can get through it. And I, you know, just persevered. So how good were you in math and science? You know, for me, um, starting out, um, I always liked math, right? I always liked math. Um, and I used to, um, I had a, we had a lot of books around. That's one thing that we had. My dad had a lot of books around and, uh, he would always, um, you know, show us like different things in terms of ma uh, math and science, particularly different puzzles and, and what have you. So some of the things that I was doing very early on in life, I didn't realize, you know, were differential equations and all these different things. Cause I just thought I was doing um, puzzle. So I had a very, very early love of math. However, when you think about technology, you know, it shouldn't be scary. You should look at it as a tool. There are a lot of, you know, founders that don't have technical backgrounds, you know, so it's really about problem solving. Um, if you look at Elon Musk, Elon Musk doesn't have an, you know, background in physics or, you know, engineering. He has a background in economics. Um, if you look at, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, right? He didn't graduate from Harvard and, you know, Bill Gates and the list goes on. So you just have to have an interest in the field. So no matter what field you're in, whether you're a medical doctor or political science, if, if you're political scientist, you could say, look, the, the elections are taking too long to count. Maybe I'm going to create a technology that's blockchain based and also biometric based that would allow us to vote via telephone or via our mobile phones that's secure, this one and that, that's solving a problem with technology. So that's really the way I look at it. And that's the way I also encourage, especially, you know, young girls, young black girls that are thinking, no, it's, you know, it's for everybody else or it's too difficult or I don't like math, you know, do what you love, but, you know, realize the technology, if you can use Facebook, if you can use YouTube, um, you know, you can find a way to solve a really big problem. You don't have to be really good at math. I just, you know, happen to be. Okay. So are you like good, like um, hidden figures good? Like, uh, you know, we saw in the movie with Taraji P and I think she played Katherine Johnson and Janae Monet played Mary Jackson. Were you like good like that? Or you could just, you know, click things off and boom. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. You know, I graduated number one in my class at Syracuse University. I used to do extra work, you know, in my advanced, advanced engineering math courses. I used to do, you know, extra stuff, you know, solve problems I didn't know hadn't even been solved by the engineering um, world. So I, it was just something that I really enjoyed. So, you know, which is why I became a deep space scientist and, came up with it also how it helped me come up with these new algorithms for distributing movies over satellite, which is what I sold to the Boeing company. Um, and so 
you know, that's, that's a gift and a, and a blessing, but it's also something that I developed a love of at a very, very early age. And now I also want to be able to eventually help others visualize and learn, you know, math the way that I learned it, the way that it was taught to me that made it so much fun. Um, and it made it almost like a language, right? I, w- I want to be able to, it was a very customized way that I want others to be able to learn about it the same way. Okay. Yeah. I mean, growing up in Africa, you're not, you know, here, I'll say in America, school learning really isn't cool, you know, for the masses. And then if you are the only one, or if you're in a class and half the class is struggling and you might get beat up, you know, I I grew up in the eighties, you might've got beat up. And I'm not saying that's why I didn't know it. I was just kind of lazy until I got to college. I didn't, I knew, I knew money. I didn't know math. And I wasn't really too interested. And that's kind of how my brain works. If something really interests me, it'll be done faster than anybody else. Start talking mm-hmm. like Trump. Uh, it'll be best. It'll be better than anybody else. But if I'm not interested because I can't see how I can apply it, I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, whatever. Um, you would love my, my my wife and you guys could talk about math all day. She's one of those. I'd be I'm just like in awe when I met her. Um, thank oh, you. that's amazing. Um, but... I want to kind of focus now on, you know, we talked about your son and a lot of people use the word busy and I don't like that word because the people who use it aren't busy. Um, They're just not well organized. And you had a a son and some women will, you know, even now will say, I'm not, I don't have time to have a family or nobody is going to want to be with me because I'm so driven and I have ambition. And I'm like, what losers are you used to? You know, I say, I know I'm old and married, but what losers don't want a woman who can really handle her own. So when that man dies first, the family will still be together and she won't have to get remarried just to keep things afloat. So can you talk about, you know, um, just, being an entrepreneur and being a mom and just raising a family? I mean, it's tough, right? Because, you know, I don't want people to think that, oh, capital is out there and you can do, you know, whatever. When you're an entrepreneur, there are many times where it's not just, you know, eight hour days or 10 hour days or even 16 hours around the clock. So it is tough, which is especially why you need to have a good partner, right? Um, That will be able to be supportive and pick up where you drop off and balance each other out. But entrepreneurship is tough, especially for women, you know, and especially for uh, people like myself that even though we're very technologically advanced, we also have those, um, I don't want to say traditional views, but we also want to be able to have um, good quality time, you know, with the kid, with the family and all of that, but it's a balancing act, but it's tough. You know, it's really tough, especially in the early days where, you know, you have to, you have to work around the clock to get things going. Um, so it's, it's a balance, but, but, you know, but you're right. Just like with anything else, you have to find the right person, right? There are really bad investors out there. There are really bad people out there that are very intimidated by, you know, women, um, that are hardworking and so on and so forth. But I think that there are a lot of great men out there also who are supportive and want to be able to work together like tag team and, you know, and 
Um, I've come across, you know, I've come across uh, mainly, you know, the 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 ones that want to tag team it um, and be like, hey, I'm, you know, proud of what you're doing, and I want to be able to make sure that we can do this together, you know. So they're out there. Okay, you say, you know, finding a good partner. So you have a good partner, um, you know, husband, um, man. <laughs> hey. Got you gotta ask nowadays. You gotta clarify. Um, right. And and is and, and I gotta ask this because I can hear the African woman say, but is he an African man? Because you always hear, oh, an African man, he'll never let you do what she's doing. So is he an African man? <laughs> that that's not true though. You know, I have been with and um I've been with African men, but I've also been with, you know. African-American men, um, it's, it's about the, the, I think it's about who you attract also, right? Especially coming from Ghana, Ghana and where I grew up, right? Where I grew up was very progressive. Um, it's, you know, it's polygamous, right? On both sides. It's not just the men that can go have multiple women. It's also the women that can have multiple husbands. So it's a very liberal, um, and it's and then also I grew up in it. It's a matriarch. Right. So because you have all of our you know, you have the the queens and the this and that. So there's a lot of respect for women and particularly for strong women. Yeah. Santua and this one and that one that are all coming. So I feel like, you know, but I have a lot of um, other African friends that have very, you know, um, that have been that are just like, you know, we're going to drag you by the hair and this one and that one and that one. But, you know, I think maybe my experience is a bit different because Ghanaian men tend to be more progressive and more liberal when it comes to, you know, stuff like that. And a lot of them are more about partnership, more so than, you know, you stay in the kitchen and stay, you know, barefoot and pregnant and all of that. They're like, I'll cook too, you know. Yeah. And, and so I told you, I, you know, I represent influencers and uh, many of them are in the YouTube space and you always get into these arguments of when you talk about polygamy. I know my wife and I talked to my father-in-law about it. You know, polygamy sounds good until you have 40 wives and, right. and his father, you know, had um, over 40. And then it sounds very dangerous because there's other yeah. things that come with that. Yeah. Yeah. Jealousy. But mm-hmm. when that men don't ever want to hear is but the women are polygamous too that hold on, i mean i've seen <laughs> so can you talk about where in ghana that is and if you've seen that with a woman with multiple husbands is it a certain tribe is it a certain region because folks have to learn that sometimes what's good for the goose is good for the gander and you know um explain about talk about that Right. You know, and I have to say this, I don't believe in polygamy, right? Because I, I am like, you know, I have to be everything and it, it has to be just you and I, right? However, I grew up in a polygamous society uh, where, um, you know, I knew many men that had multiple wives. Um, and also, I mean, I had, you know, two aunts that I know personally that had multiple husbands as well. So um, I didn't think... Um, you know, it was it was part of the culture. So it's not something that I thought was strange or um, anything. I just knew that personally, for me, it was not a personal choice. You know, that um, polygamy wasn't a personal choice for me. But I grew up around that where um, I didn't see anything wrong with it because that's what I grew up around. 
and and just last thing for the education purpose only your aunts had two husbands did they live under the same roof and you know how, how did that work out <laughs> so for one of them they did not live under the same roof so um you know like sometimes she'd be with one and then another time she'd be with the other um and then you know the other one i think you know they um they it was about the same arrangement there was the main one and then you know uh, sometimes they'll alternate and it's the same but most of the um polygamous men that i knew um they lived together with their wives oh. like they would have you know if they had multiple wives they all lived under the same roof Okay. But for the women that I knew, I didn't know any women where they lived with the men under the same roof, but I knew women that were married to more than one husband and, you know, the, they would come in and they would alternate. Okay. Wow. Yeah, Mary, we're going to talk off air because YouTube would love you. Uh, okay. And some folks would love to even debate um, that have never even gone to Ghana, but tell you what the truth is and how, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that off there. Okay. <laughs> now, now with Seek, it it's, seems like it's a software company that just happens to have hardware, that, which reminds me of my Synology unit. I mean, it's my own server, but it's really a software company that I used to work with and for um, that has hardware. Um, but is it both? Because since you have, you know, you're kind of doing something that nobody else is doing. Um, is it a software and hardware company or how do you see it? I see it, you know, the, this is actually Best Buy said this to me. They said before Apple, right? Before Apple had iTunes, mm -hmm. they had all kinds of MP3 players, but back then you had to be really good, right? At you know, they, the MP3 players were mainly being purchased by, you know, geeks like myself who knew how to rip their music, put it on there, this one and that one. And so they weren't selling a lot of them. Then here comes Apple with the iPod and then they had iTunes, right? So now all of a sudden you could access all your music and content in one place. Where VR is today is basically what Seek is doing for VR is what Apple did for uh, you know, music for digital music. So now when I started out, there were no, no one was looking at, you know, putting all these different experiences in one place. You had to download multiple apps just to see, you know, this music or that content, but we've put it all in one application. You just download the app, uh, whether it's on your iPhone, Android, or wherever it is. And then we paired it with the headset you know, because it, it just, they didn't have, no one was looking at mobile. I was looking at mobile because I knew one that most music fans were not going to buy a $3,000 computer, strap it to their back, and then also have to buy a $1,500 VR headset. So I wanted to do something that was simple and it had to be mobile-based. The other motivator for focusing on mobile VR is because coming from Ghana, I knew that you know, for the continent of Africa, I mean, it's 1.2 billion people that are mobile first. So when we look at VR, it's not just gaming, but it's the next iteration of the web. These are going to create so many different opportunities where I can walk through, you know, the doors of Nike and be able to access their shoes through VR and all that. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, people, no matter where they were in the world, could be able to access this 3D web. 
And once they play with it, then they come up with all these different ideas on what and how they can live with it, how they can work with it. They're going to create their own companies too. But if the barrier is money and the technology, then you're not going to have as many people using it as possible. So that's why I did the combination of a cost-effective VR headset as well as the platform so it's easy for everyone. No, that's that's awesome. That and that you were thinking about Africa. I told y'all we'd get back to Africa. Mm-hmm. What is your play for Africa? Because I saw one of you know the products was about $103 for the, the headset, and that's a great price um, for us. But somebody in Ghana, somebody in Kenya, somebody in Malawi, you know, they're gonna say, Hold on, that's not so much lot of money so what is the play for africa do they have to wait 10 years like the blackberry to get it or you know what's the plan so we also i have a foldable vr headset i don't have it with me right now this is a foldable vr headset that we package with music which accounts towards the album sales and all of that you know uh it's actually grammy award and clear award winning products but it's also patented product and that one starts at the uh, you know price point of ten dollars so um, that's the first, that's the, you know, in terms of what we're rolling on the con- rolling out on the continent, that's going to be among the first. So we have products that are uh, very consistent, you know, and then even with the VR also, you're able to download it onto the app and we have a 3D world that you can play with and be inside of that's fully immersive that does not require a VR headset. So those are all some of the products that we are rolling into the marketplace. Um, the last report that I saw, we were number 25 on the entertainment in Ghana. You know, we've had uh, concerts there that have had millions of people. Right now we're focusing on making sure that the payment, because most of the payment systems here decline, you know, carts from around the world because of, you know, the FDIC and all that, all kinds of stuff. So those are problems that we're working on. We're working on infrastructure and whatnot. We just announced, um, I think it was like two days ago, that we partnered with the biggest soccer team in Africa to actually, you know, launch where next season we're going to be broadcasting their games, not only on Seek.com, but also in VR. Can you nerd out and let us know, because you have the platform, mm-hmm. what does it take if an artist wants to, you know, do a, do they have to do anything special? Do they need, you know, the 360 cameras? Do they need a seek only camera that then, you know, brings the whole, you know, everything. I, I want to know what the artists need to do, what the cost looks like, because an artist might be listening to this or watching this now and say, what, do, what can I do? But also very important in these times, what can't they do? Because you have platforms that I think are going to be like Facebook and it's called OnlyFans, where they're uncensoring artists. And a lot of artists don't want to be censored. A lot of influencers don't want to be censored. Not that they all want to get naked, nude and, and do lewd things, you know, that everybody's doing anyway in their own line. But mm-hmm. what, you know, how does that work with an artist? And are there any constraints on, you know, what they can do on your platform? Um, so in terms of our platform, you know, and the great thing about the Seek platform is that, you know, we, our mission, again, we enable artists to generate new revenue streams from all these emerging worlds, right? But that also means live streams. So we're doing live streams on Seek.com. We're doing, you know, virtual worlds. We just, you know, this week, we just had a great 
you know, partnership discussion with a platform that has, you know, hundreds of millions of fans that we're going to, we haven't announced yet, but we make sure that you can create content the way that you're creating it now. And we can still help you monetize it digitally in these immersive worlds. Or if you want to create custom content for these immersive worlds, we can work with you to do that as well. You know, this year for Bob Marley's 75th anniversary celebration, they were going to have a tour, but with, you know, COVID, those tours were canceled. So we teamed up with Universal Music. They brought the tour onto Seek. We did, we captured the content from A to Z. They were in our studios. We captured the content. We distributed it in VR. And, you know, it's Billboard actually did an article. We're the number one live stream on Facebook right now as we speak. 9.6, I believe 9.6 million streams within 24 hours. You know, that's Seek. You know, Billboard, Rolling Stone, all of that. Everybody covered it. But we make sure that we work with the artists to ensure that they can distribute the content and that it's super easy, frictionless free. And, and it's the same for the user. So if they want to access it on a VR headset, download the app, put it in there, boom. If they want to watch it without it, they could do that too. If they just want the live stream with the chat, they could do that too. But we have all the tools and everything for them to do that very easily. So they can focus on, you know, what it is that they do best, which is make music. And will they be censored at all? Can they do whatever they want? You know, is this they correct? can they can do whatever they want because we have age gates, right? So if you want to get on there and um, we we don't want to censor their artistry, right? But at the same time, we have to be responsible for um, making sure that that content is not accessed by you know uh, children or that is is not inappropriate for people. But because we have age gates and um, you know, and we have a way to make sure that they describe what it is that they're doing, but we are not, you know, we're not going to censor to a certain point, right? I mean, I'm not going to allow somebody on the platform that's, you know, maybe spewing racial this one and that one. And, you know, there are a lot of places for that. This is not one of those places. So if they wanted to come and, you know, denigrate, you know, Black people or, you know, do certain things that's not consistent with, um, what we're trying to do, which is help, not hurt, you know, that's a different story. But we don't have enough of our own platforms where we can elevate and, you know, uh, really uh, help each other. And a lot of the platforms that are out there, quite frankly, a lot of the algorithms are uh, very, very skewed. You know, I've posted, um, you know, I've posted pictures where, um, you know, I had braids where they've, you know, marked that as being uh, politically sensitive or this one and that one. And you're like, what are you feeding into these algorithms that if you see a person with braids, you're automatically saying that they're promoting political agenda? Well, the technology is only as good as the people who create it. Exactly. So, so you know, but with that, and, and I'm thinking of, you know, um, you know, there have been uncensored videos. I remember when BET used to play them all day and folks mm -hmm. want to be naked. So it, nudity would then be allowed on Seek under their own platform. It would not be, you know, you can't do that. Is that correct? Or do um, I mean, right now, you know, well, we also have to think about advertisers and it has to be brand safe. You know, we're not, we're not exactly promoting or allowing nudity at this point. We can... Give the artists the tools that they need, you know, to be naked. But 
I mean, we want to be, again, we have a very wide range of users. So we have to make sure that we're responsible um, and, you know, we're responsible and considerate. So right now we don't have any nudity on Seek. Um, We have, you know, artistic creativity, the same thing that you would put on, you know, Facebook or YouTube or, you know, somewhere else. You so, have seen Instagram. So, I mean, you can see the womb of some people. And yeah. I can see them saying and see it in VR even closer. Because let's, right. let's be honest where, and I, and I feel comfortable talking to you like this, mm-hmm. that, you know, I've read books like The Future is Faster Than You Think. And you mm-hmm. read, you know, what's here and what's going to happen that most people don't know. I'm sure you go to some of the conferences and... The the fact is that there's people who are making, you know, money. Some have made millions of dollars in the virtual world. And they say in the future, folks won't come out of that world. So they were literally, and I do mean people literally. So if your kids are listening, we can keep it, you know, uh, as a PG as uh, uh, possible. But there's going to be people who do everything and they're going to want to see it and they're going to want to see other people. So, you know, Seek might be that platform which I know there will be others and there are others. Yeah, there are others. You know, but if I don't have to leave my world and even if I like my wife in virtual reality, but in in reality, I don't talk to anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. that that is kind of where I'm going to see how far, because it's going to come a time where we're going to say that son of yours does not, not your son, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that son of yours does not come out of virtual reality. And yep. he pays his bills in virtual reality and all that. So Seek is already, you know, there. And, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I have to sign up. If you, if I have a concert, they have to sign up for my concert. It's not like Netflix where once I pay for Seek, I can see all these different channels. Or is that how the interface is set up? Yeah, the interface is set up to where um, you can, you know, and the website is the same, right? If you go to Seek.com, it's, the way that it's organized on the website where when we do our live streams, a lot of people just watch it, you know, the last, the last live stream we did, we had 200,000 people that watched it from the website. And I think we had under 10,000 that were actually on the uh, VR platform. So we, you can access it in both ways, Uh, but you can pay for that particular show that you want to watch, or you could pay $9.99 and have access to everything that's on the platform for the month. And then there's like a three month, you know, um, contract too. And then there's a, you know, one year, but you can, and the one year is the VIP and you get a lot of VIP benefits too, but you can buy just that one ticket where we're seeing the biggest growth. And we're seeing that people are spending a lot of time on the platform is actually with the meditation and the mindfulness and people just, you know, it's very anxiety driven now, right. Even with these elections, you know, and sometimes people just want to disconnect, right? So they just put on the, and we, a lot of nurses, right? At lunchtime, that's when we get our biggest spikes because it's PTSD dealing with COVID for most of these hospitals. So at lunchtime, a lot of people are just putting on the headset and they're looking at, you know, beautiful tiger and they're going on a safari in Africa. And, and we have all those experiences on the platform and that's where we're seeing a big growth. Um, you know, that's like right after our music concerts, right? Music concerts, 
Um, and, you know, so that's where we will continue to grow in terms of the mindfulness, in terms of music from around the world. Uh, people are discovering, you know, Afrobeats on the platform. We want to continue to give them more of that content. Hip hop, um, you know, classic rock is also a big one on there. Um, I see a lot of companies, you know, especially in Japan that are doing uh, VR porn. Um, and it's, you know, it's working for them. It's not something that we're looking at because it's such a huge um, opportunity anyway. So people are going to be doing different things that work for them. And for us, what's working for us is music. Okay. Okay. And, you know, when you start talking about Asia, I, I really see, and I cannot wait. I might have to produce this, but mm -hmm. I want to see Afrobeats and I think K-pop that already uh -huh. lives that VR type world, you know, seeing yes. that collaboration and, and that, no, that's awesome. Now, how does the profit share work out for those who have their, um, their content on Seek? Because for me, I have, you know, clients who this would be great for them, but they're like, Google's paying me so much money already. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can go over to Seek if I give content, how does that work out? Cause it, you know, like, YouTube did the whole, you know, premium, YouTube Red, then YouTube Premium. Um, is there a profit share model? So, you know, influencers, we can get them all over to see. For us, you know, when we look at uh, music, right, for a lot of music artists, um, for example, they would have 1 million streams, maybe they get paid $3,000 for that. I've had artists that I had one particular artist that we're working with that was based in France that had close to a billion streams, but they had gotten paid very little for. Uh, there are artists on the continent that have had close to, you know, 100 million streams, but they get paid very little for it. Because the algorithm is based on your location, right? They'll say, well, we didn't air any advertising on there, whether they aired or not. If you're not in the US, if you're not in the right geography, then you get very little for it. So they're like, I would rather sell tickets to my show, to my concert. It's not a music video that I'm putting out here and asking people to pay for. It's a full-blown concert, right? So it's just in the digital world. And I would rather have maybe 10% of those 100 million people come and pay me a dollar to come and see my concert than have 100 million streams of my concert where nobody's paying for it. Um, or I'm getting paid, you know, um, you know, pennies, for it because I'm being told that I'm not in the right geography. The other thing too is for urban music, um, if you do a you know hip hop song and Justin Bieber does the same lyrics, because you're black, yours will be seen as not being brand safe, but he will be seen as being brand safe. So he'll be able to monetize his at a much higher rate. You know, so maybe for every dollar he's getting paid, maybe you're getting half of that. You know, and so for a lot of urban artists too, they're saying, you know what, you know, I'm not rather than get paid, you know, 3000 per million, this one, that one for my concerts, I want to do it on this platform because I want to get paid per ticket. So for um, content creators that it's working for and they're happy with, you know, what they're being paid, then this is not for them. This is for serious artists that have a serious fan base that they're not monetizing in the way that is efficient or effective for them. And a lot of those are artists that are located in geographies that are not, you know, maybe US. 
but you have artists, you have mega artists too. Like, like we have Guns N' Roses on the platform. They did, they sold out 24 million. Uh, they sold out 1 million tickets in 24 hours. They want to be able to extend their reach. So we have their virtual concert on the platform. So these are, it's a centralized place to find premium quality concerts, right? No different than the reason why Twitch left YouTube to go create Twitch because they wanted to have a centralized place where when you go, you know exactly what you're getting, where I don't have to go search for, okay, I want this Afrobeats uh, concert. I got to go search a billion places to find a good quality one. And then it might not even be the full concert, but it's about artists first. And it's about monetizing, helping them to create new revenue streams direct to fan, right? Create these new experiences for the fan. So it's not just music videos or, you know, content that maybe they're earning, you know, a couple of dollars on. Now, when they record those concerts, and I think that, in, I think, Seek, I see the potential too. Because I, I like to break the game and try to build it, build it back together, kind of mm-hmm. like near. But you know, I let's say someone is doing a concert right now, or they're going to do it next week. Do they need to have a multiple camera angle, or do you have something in the, uh, you know, your software that will give a pleasurable experience? Because a lot of people, when I'm watching VR, I mm-hmm. and I'm going on tour with someone on YouTube, right? I want to see everything. And I find it yeah. so cool if they filmed it with the 360 camera, yeah. I can see, you know, the fly on Everywhere. the wall. And, yep. and so do they need to have that 360 camera or do you guys have something that, you know, just they don't need that? Yeah, I mean, they we do one of two things. So we do, so when we film, we film in both 180 so that we can distribute those on you know regular platforms, but then we also film in 360. And with a 360, we have like one that has like a 10 color depth and you know that creates the types of experience where you feel like you're actually there. This is like a third or fourth generation of the VR cameras because the early ones were very grainy. Um, and what have you, but the ones that are in the marketplace today and the ones that we're using. So we have these very, very powerful, it's not our own, but we've customized, you know, the technology to allow us to really be able to do a lot of things. And then we have lenses that we're applying on top of the, you know, the 24 uh, camera array and all of these things. So for them to do, um, you know, the type, the type of quality content that our users are used to and want to pay for, you know, we encourage that they use the, you know, 360 uh, cameras. And a lot of times we'll film it, we'll film it with them to like, I, you know, I mentioned with Ziggy Marley for the 75th anniversary of Bob Marley, we did, you know, the full production. So, um, but if they have their own 360 camera and they want to film it, they can film it and distribute it on the platform as well. You guys, I could talk to Mary all day, but we got to be respectful of the time. I want to end this um, with, I have one last question, but I want to let people know from, I found Mary from the DITDE.com conference that our former guest, Wilma Allen, who lives now in Kenya, American guy, told us about, and that was such an awesome conference. And I was taking notes and Mary, I had to, you know, get it. And I, had to bother her and, and really do my research and use my investigation skills. I was trained by the best. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you 
um, you know, with all your success that you're having and that I know you're going to have in the future, what is a community give back that you are doing or that you're going to do in the future? The, my whole company is about community give back, right? So our mission is helping artists generate new revenue streams so that they can create sustainable careers. Because when you look at music, there is a lot of exploitation that goes on. When you look at um, music, particularly in places, like I mentioned, on the continent, where people want to be able to make a living from their art, right? You can't pay the bills with likes. You can't pay the bills with views. You can, you know, so by creating a platform that allows them to monetize their artistry in a sustainable way, I want to be able to have the millions and millions of artists be able to make a very good living. Like when you look at sports, you've got the NBA and this one and that one, and you have all these platforms that support them that allow them to truly make that living. But you hear of so many artists that go broke, you know, and a lot of artists also want to be able to go direct to fan, but they don't have the label infrastructure. They don't, you know, especially the infrastructure to monetize. It's not cheap to, you know, build a platform that we built. But we want every artist, whether they're independent or established, to be able to, you know, so that's one of the give back. And we train a lot of people. You know, our biggest problem is that a lot of the people that we train, they get snatched up by CBS and, you know, Fox and this one and that one. But that's fine because I'm opening a whole pipeline of people that look like me and you that are going into these careers that, you know, they never, ever would have even thought about looking into, you know, we have one of our um, videographers that, you know, he had a very, very difficult past. No one would have hired him. He now sits, you know, he's now chairing a creative organization in LA, you know, and he started with us um, and we gave him the training, we gave him the equipment and everything else. And he's doing fantastic work for us. He's worked for Billboard and this one and that one and that one, because now he could show up and say, oh, look at the work I did with Lady Gaga. Look at what I did with, you know, Demi and this one and that one. So we're given opportunities to a whole generation of people that doesn't exist today. And so it just makes me really happy that I'm doing this. You guys got to go to seek dot com you got to download the app make your profile you don't have to you can even be the darkest of dark with your av avatar you know yes. not just you know that one golden thumbs up i know people right. have chocolate thumbs up now but not every system and keyboard allows you to do that when they do go download seek and then go to the website do, to watch it and do they have to have a seek VR set, or let's say they have one already, will it work uh, on any VR set? It'll work on any VR set, but I really encourage them also. It's Christmas. It's the holidays around the corner. Support us, right? So we have to support each other, and we also have to provide feedback, not just criticism, right? But please buy the VR, you know, buy the headphones. This is, if you're going to buy a headphone, if you're going to buy a gift for someone for the holidays, it's really, really good. Um, and, you know, buy the, the VR headset, buy that for your kids. Cause once they try it, you don't know what else they're going to build. I was inspired by a documentary I saw on space, you know, um, so many years ago, I, it inspired me. I wanted to know what it's like, you know, to walk on the moon and do this. And, and I followed that curiosity. So these are not just, 
you know, and the same is the story for Mark Zuckerberg and all these other people, the little computer that they got, the this, they first play with it and then they get inspired to do so much. So you owe it to yourself, right? Please support us so we can support the community, but buy the headset, buy the headphone, all of that. Um, and, and these are great gifts for the holidays as well. Definitely, definitely. And folks, when she says us, because I know there, you know, everybody is coming from a different place who watches this, who wants to get the game. Us mm -hmm. is our tribe. I always talk about yes. Seth Godwin's book, Tribe. Us, we yes. know who us is. It doesn't have to be explained. But for those who might be like, but I'm, you know, these are us. We are us. We are us. We are the, the folks yes. who, you know, are going to get the next billion just to put it on the scoreboard and keep putting a purposeful life. So yes. I really appreciate what you're doing. You guys, I got a new friend in Mary. Um, yes. Come on. You guys be blessed. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.